What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 65 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB Edition. I'm your host, Taylor Ringle. My co-host, Griffin Warner, is here as always. And, of course, we've had a excellent, a excellent playoff matchups like we've predicted. Unbelievable comebacks, walk-off home runs, pitchers' duels, surprising wins. We've seen it all. Griff... How are you feeling about the first few games that have gone on during the ALCS, ALDS, excuse me, and NLDS? The the division series in general um, has been LIT lit. Um, I've had a lot of fun so far with it. My predictions have not gone perfectly so far, but I've been in all these matchups and uh, felt like they're kind of hanging on a knife edge at all at all times. So uh, series aren't over till they're over. Still like a lot of the dogs that are going to be playing in these uh and uh we'll see what happens from here but uh, i'm pretty pumped yeah so last time you know we do every best bet every single show we'll give you a game last week we did a little something different we didn't have specific lines for each and every game like we would usually do so we just pick a series to pick from from last best bet last episode this episode of course we'll do uh, a best bet not many games left but we'll give you our best bets of course at end of show Last week, last episode, we did. I picked the, the Phillies Braves series and I picked the Braves to win this series. And that is series is tied up at one. And we had Griff who took the Guardians over the Yankees at plus 185. That unfortunately is not in the favor of Griff, but we will break down the games that we that have happened so far. And of course, we'll give you Friday's card as well. So, Griff, let me get into an ad real quick and then we'll go recap. Our incredible game, the, the incredible games we just watched over this past week. Uh, I would say a lot of ups and downs, pretty pretty much roller coaster. But let's get into a new ad that we've never actually said before. It's sort of a different, it's a different version, but it's one of our own. Mackenzie Rivers. It's a free chance to win one thousand dollars cash. Beat Mackenzie Rivers NBA contest five hundred dollars first place and a five hundred dollars bonus. Mackenzie Rivers earned a profit of sixty four point zero three NBA units last season. For this beat Mackenzie Rivers NBA contest, the contestant who earns the most NBA units wins a five hundred dollars cash prize. The winner earns more units than Mackenzie did last year. Then the contest winner gets five hundred dollars additional. That is $1,000 cash. Enter today. It's free. Just go to pregame.com. Then click on the contest to find McKenzie Rivers, the NBA contest. Don't wait. The NBA action starts this Tuesday. Upcoming Tuesday. It tips off on Tuesday. Join now. Free chance to win $1,000 cash. Griff, let's get into it. Let's start off with a great series, but we've only seen one game so far. Game one of the Yankees and Guardians series. The Yankees took game one, a 4-1 to victory. Cole versus Quantrell. Cole, eight Ks through six innings. The bullpen shut the door right after he came out of the game. Bader with a solid defensive play in the third inning, I want to say. And then a home run. We saw a postseason vet and Rizzo hit go deep. And a big thing to note, I wouldn't say it's a huge thing to to get worried about if you're Yankee fans or like betting on the Yankees, judge they go over three with three strikeouts. But the Yankees came up with the W and they lead the series one nothing. Game two was supposed to be tonight, but it was postponed and pushed back to Friday due to rain here in the Bronx. And it's a 1.07 p.m. Eastern time start. Riff, give me your thoughts on game one. Were you impressed by Cole? Were you pissed by Cal Quantrill's performance? <laughs> Tell me how pissed you are about the pitching rotations not going the way you want. Let me hear you. Well, especially after the rain out today, I feel like uh, it was a major mistake by the Guardians not um, pitching. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say Shane Bieber, what he looks like on three days rest, probably hasn't done it much, if at all, in his career. Um but I, you know, it's it's tough to say. Maybe he wasn't feeling something or wasn't. But I mean, he's starting game two, um, which should have been today. And now, since that game's pushed back, I like he's going to come back in game five on three days rest. I mean, best case scenario was him pitching game five, and it's going to be on short rest. So, 
Uh, the weather certainly didn't help the Guardians, but it just looks really, I mean, silly to me here because starting Cal Quantrill in that first matchup is, is, I mean, not putting them in the best position to win. I realize you need three starting pitchers in this series, but there was a built-in day off. He could have come back from McKenzie on regular rest. I, I mean, they're worried about those arms because that's what the Guardians, essentially their franchise is built on, is, is their pitching staff and probably eventually will trade them when they have a year left in their contract to get prospects. But um, that was a big hope for me when I was uh, giving out that best bet, the, the Guardian series play. I still think it's possible they win, uh, but a, a 2 nothing lead leaving the Bronx going to Cleveland, I think would have been um, a, a series victory for them. They would have won two, one out of two in Cleveland. Now, at best, they're going 1-1 back to Cleveland. And I mean, I don't think it's impossible for them to be swept at home. Um, but if they lose tomorrow, then I, I think the series pretty much is done. So um, I don't think they're winning three straight, even two at home and, and one back in the Bronx. So um, disappointed with, with kind of that choice. I thought Quantrill was was in the game for a while. Um, eventually didn't get a cutter in enough, I guess, on Rizzo and that went over the wall. Um, but that's what the the Indian, excuse me, that's what the uh, Yankees do. Um, yeah. Cole was, Cole was good, but, uh, I think we all expect that at this point, he's clearly proven to be a, a dominant pitcher. Um, and I don't know that anything really stood out for me with him in that performance. I got to say. He's always due for a home run. He's due for a home run a game. I think he, he let up over, over 30 home runs this year, which is a top definitely in the entire league. Something to note though, from this series I think so far for I'm seeing from Cole is that he got he's getting out of jams and the defense is playing well. I I know it was very ironic seeing the first play of the game, first ground ball, IKF boots it, makes an error, just making it nice and interesting to start the game. But overall, the defense played well. There's a basis load situations multiple times, and they got out of the jam. The Guardians left 18 runners left on base, 18 to the Yankees four. And IKF three, left three of them on on base pass. That is the definition of who the Guardians are. They are a good pitching staff. They have a great bullpen. They have a horrific offense. When you put those things together, clearly this is what we're seeing. 18 runners left on base. I've never seen 18 runners left on base like in a postseason game before. I'm I clearly I'm probably wrong, but seeing the number like this is insane. I'm regular nine in a game. Especially, especially when you're only scoring one run in the loss. Like it's one thing to leave 18 runners on if you score 12 runs or something like that. Right. Um, I would think that the Guardians, especially, they're a contact team. Like they they're supposed to be moving runners, they're supposed to be doing all that sort of stuff because they don't have the boppers in that lineup. So it's especially um horrifying that they have that number. Um, but also makes me feel a little bit better. Does that make you a little nervous that maybe that turns around and they actually perform better uh in game two? Yeah, I think so. When you leave eighteen runners on base and don't and you don't score more than six runs, maybe even cut it in half, I, it's something's got to give, right? Like you mentioned, they're a great contact team. Even Garrett Cole said that in the post game. He was so impressed going into the start of how good of a contact team they are. They're a scrappy team. They don't strike out a lot. Usually, they did strike out nine times in this game. But they don't strike out much. They put bat on the ball. They make your defense make plays or try to make plays. And what we saw was is that there was great defense all, all around. Cabrera made a nice play in left field. Bader cut the ball off perfectly to help not advance a runner over. Uh, there was great double plays made. Rizzo made a nice play at, the, at first base. So there was good plays all around. But you have to score at least – five or six runs when you leave 18 runners on. So that's a big thing to, to look forward to in, in the next game in game two, which is on Friday, which we'll talk about at the end of our show, like we always do with our Friday card and our Friday best bets. Let's get into the second American League series, and that is the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners. Game one, Griff was a doozy, an 8-7 win by the Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez became the hero with a walk-off three-run home run to seal the deal for the Houston Astros. Oh, I just want to say right off the bat, you know, Scott Service, pretty good manager, 
He's done a really good job turning this team from a below 500 team to a playoff clinching team. I have no idea why you would put Robbie Ray in. The only reason I'm thinking is, is that you have no faith in the rest of the guys in your bullpen to get that to get the job done. But that's I mean, crazy. That is I literally that's crazy. That's not but, it. So, look, it, to give up the pitchers that started in this game, you had Logan Gilbert went five and a third innings pitch, three earned runs, five strikeouts. Not the best start, but a decent enough start to keep the lead intact. Matt Brash only got two outs. He was done. Castillo went one inning. Then here comes the trouble here, Griff. You have Munoz, who struggled in game two as well, but in game one, he let up two earned runs in an inning. Seawall didn't make it out of the inning. He went to, he only recorded two outs, and then Robbie Ray blew the safe. That's just telling me there's not a lot of faith left in the bullpen once you use the big boys in Castillo, Seawald, and Munoz. Robbie Ray pitched in the, in the Toronto series, didn't do well, and now he's coming in. And to give everyone some perspective on the mismatch here, lefty-lefty, usually the right move, right, Griff? Lefty lefty in any scenario, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's Babe Ruth versus Clayton Kershaw, it doesn't matter. A lefty lefty is usually a good matchup for pitchers. Alvarez bats, he's batted 321 versus lefties this year. And Robbie Ray hasn't had a relief appearance since 2020. People might be saying, Oh, is that really a big difference coming relief? Yeah. Totally different things. You're speeding up. Starting pitchers don't have to speed up that fast to get ready, to get themselves ready to go to get on the mound. They have hours to get ready for their start to go five or six innings. Robbie Ray had about 15, 20 minutes to get himself ready to go. He had one out, and he did not record an out, and he lost the game. Verlander, though, your boy Verlander, who's probably won the Cy Young, you're going to get that one correct. He had an awful, awful start. Six earned runs, 10 hits over four innings. So, to break down game one, what are your highlights from this? Are you are you scared about how Verlander pitched in game one? Give me your thoughts on Robbie Ray getting into the game. What do you think? I mean, I was definitely surprised by Verlander getting lit up by a power-hungry but ultimately not that consistent Mariners lineup. If there's a team that's going to leave 18 runners on base in the AL, I would expect it to be the Mariners of the four that are remaining. Um I think the biggest surprise was, as you touched on with service, um, deciding to go lefty lefty on Jordan. It looks a little bit better. If you look at his career numbers, um, certainly a higher batting average versus lefties for Jordan, but I mean, almost double as many plate appearances. Um, he's got half as many home runs. So it doesn't really seem to be like, as uh, like lefty splits really matter or anything like that. Um, I want to make sure you can hear me. Give me a thumbs up. Okay. Um, I, accidentally hit mute on my other podcast earlier this week and lost like 25 minutes of an episode unfortunately oh God, uh didn't find terrible. that out until too late hey, so we're I'm not having that on the mlb no, portion of rj bell no, we no, no. that is the problem when you go solo <laughs> but anyway um i mean looking at his numbers they're pretty even lefty 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 righty whatever uh for Jordan. um and i mean the seattle bullpen is what got them literally into this season with the possibility of making the playoffs where we both really liked them entering the year. Um, I feel vindicated by uh, picking them to win the division didn't happen, but I, I like seeing them in the semifinals in the ALDS. Um, but Paul Seawald's a great pitcher. I mean, I think they were just playing matchups and hoping that lefty lefty would work. It doesn't seem to me like a statistical advantage or, I mean, I'm sure he just liked the matchup and, and thought that Robbie Ray would be a, the guy to get the final out. Um, as you mentioned, hadn't been, a relief pitcher in a long time. Um, <clears throat> couple that with just in general struggling in his last outing against the, yeah. the Blue Jays, which kind of got swept under the rug under the rug because the Mariners had such a big comeback from that eight one deficit to win and eliminate the Blue Jays. But um, I mean, Robbie Ray's got a great slider, but when fastball, fastball, and uh, one of them left the yard, um, and middle middle too. I mean, I I don't know like. Seems really ballsy. I'm sure it wasn't just Scott Service making that call. It must have been something that the uh, organization thought they had something on. Clearly didn't work out um, in game one. And uh, it wasn't really a great sign because, I mean, Paul Seawald had been so good all year. I, I don't know why you – you. I mean, it's easy to say it now. It's, hindsight's 2020, But um, it seems like too silly of a, a situation to be in. And they could have walked him because they had a big lead. 
um, and and didn't choose that option either. And that kind of came back to, to bite them today. Yes, and speaking of game two today, the Astros went on to win 4-2 to two today. Solid pitchers duel throughout the game. Castillo with another great start. Seven earned runs, sorry, excuse me, seven innings, three earned runs, seven strikeouts. But again, Alvarez came up clutch once again. And then they actually didn't want to pitch to him. They intentionally walked him. And then runs kept scoring after that. So the, the Astros know how to score runs when some of their own guys aren't getting, even getting pitched to. And yet again, like I mentioned just before, Munoz struggled again. Tucker with a home run in the second inning. And in my eyes, the series look like it looks like it's going to be over here, Griff. The Astros are up 2-0, and we know it's not easy to play in Seattle. But when you're up 2-0 in a series like this with – who's on the mound for game three here? George Kirby, rookie George Kirby, rookie George Kirby with against Lance McCullers. So there's a lot of pressure on Kirby to keep this team alive. I I don't see it happening. Clearly, as a baseball fan, I would love for the Mariners to grab one W at home. They haven't done it in 20 years. Realistically, I think the series is over. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's a pretty big hole for Seattle. Best Huge. case scenario, they go back to Houston 2-2. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Does Logan Gilbert come back and pitch game four if they even get there? Um, I doubt they'll let that happen because he is a young arm that they really, I think, see as his, as the future in Seattle. Yeah. Um, back to just the way they treated Jordan today. I mean, the Mariners I, fell behind one one nothing and then took a 2-1 lead on some good timely hitting, which is a little bit surprising, but I guess something they do from time to time. Um, and then, I mean, they decided to pitch the Jordan again. Castillo was rolling, but uh, he hit a home run to the opposite field on a fastball, and that put Houston up 3-2. Then they fast-forward a couple innings, and they intentionally walk Jordan and forces the uh, an insurance run to second base Bregman gets a single and it turn, turns three, two deficit into four, two. And I think that really played a difference in, in the ninth inning. Um, Cause there's a lot more concern as it seems like all the lights in my apartment are going out, which is great. Um, but I think I'm still with you. Uh, so at least we have that. Um, and unfortunately, like when you, I just wonder if the, the, the Seattle franchise seems like they're, kind of slaves to the moment right now where they're just like, I don't really know what they're doing and I'm not sure they do because I mean, if you're going to pitch to them, you got to pitch to them. Um, I, I feel like, yes, it makes sense to make adjustments on the fly, but I, I don't really like what I've seen so far. I'm pretty concerned about George Kirby against the Astros. I don't have his numbers in front of me. I'll, I'll pull that up. Um, but I just feel like the, um, I mean, he's, he's got a great control. I mean, he's a big prospect, but this is a, a huge, it's a way different type of level for him Um, against still one of the best teams in, in all, all of baseball. I do think I'm a little concerned about literally everything's going dark in here. This is bizarre, but uh, I'm pretty concerned about um, the Astros right now. I got to say, because, because if you turn that around, I mean, I don't know how much I really believe in them. And George Kirby also came out of the bullpen in that big comeback at Toronto. So I don't really know what's going on with with Seattle. I'm not I'm not feeling good about them. I'm not feeling good about them either. Uh, Kirby's last start, last actual start was uh, I want to say against the Tigers here on October third. He only went four yeah. innings, left four earned runs, three walks in that start. His last actual solid outing was on September twenty eighth against the Rangers, six innings, let one earned run, struck out four. But over the last month and a half. He's had some good starts, and he's had some pretty bad ones, too, against the Oakland A's, little five-run runs that they make out of the third. It's a lot of pressure for a young kid like Kirby at age 24 to pitch in a do-or-die game for the Seattle Mariners. And you're up against a hot lineup right now where even Jeremy Pena, who's right in front of Alvarez, is getting on base. Went two for three today, and then you have behind Alvarez, you have so much protection with Bregman and Tucker there's a, a this lineup one through five is filthy. The bottom half of the order is not great, but when you have Alvarez in the middle of that, that's gonna be tough. And you know, Kirby's had a great year for a rookie, 
you know, I, I've, I was impressed. Um, it's going to be tough. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to be really tough for him to get that game three win. Let's jump into the Phillies series right now, Phillies and Braves. And I'll be honest, very surprised with the game one victory by the Philadelphia Phillies. Max Free with his worst start of his 2020 season, three and a third innings pitched, four earned runs, six runs, and eight hits allowed. You have a clutch pitcher like Max Free to have a bad start like that. That's not great. And then no response from two of the better hitters in this lineup, in the Braves lineup here, with, with Riley and Swanson striking out seven times total. And I was impressed with how Ranger Suarez pitched. Yeah, three and third innings pitched, not really what you want. But he kept them alive. Five walks is way too much, but five strikeouts is in there. And we're still seeing Zach Eflin trying to close games for the Phillies. Left three earned runs in the ninth. Almost lost it there. I don't know what Robbie Thompson's doing, but he likes him back in the bullpen, I, I guess. And uh, then one thing well, to note there. Hold on, Taylor. So I'll tell you. David Robertson, I guess, hurt his calf celebrating a break. Yes, he did. Home run, but like so. Zach Eflin's the, 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 the fucking guy. I don't. I don't get it. Why? Why not Castillo or or somebody else? Yeah, Se- Severino uh, or Sir Anthony Dominguez, I think, would have been my choice. Um, Agreed. Wasn't wasn't clearly consulted on that one, but uh, yeah, I feel like because Eflin worked out in the wild card series, they're just gonna stick with it. I don't know. That's a big time concern for me. It is a big big time concern, and ironically, when you, I think it was. Castellanos making the diving play to, to seal the deal. I, I even when he was signed, and we've said it from the beginning. I think everybody in baseball covering baseball has just said that this team is the worst defensive team in the league. Uh, they'll hit all the home runs in the world, but they'll have zero defense to show. And of course, ironically, he makes the sliding catch to end game one, and he played pretty good overall in game one as well. I mean, uh, three for three honest. at the plate. I think. I mean, if you if you would have three for five, anyone, three RBIs. Okay. If you if you were gonna pick any, I think he started three for three. If you're gonna pick anyone on that Phillies team to make a sliding impossible catch right. to win the game or whatever to make a, a huge play, I don't know who you're picking after Castellanos. I don't know either. I don't know either. And are how how impressed have you have you been with this Phillies team so far? And we're gonna get into game two in a second, but that surprising. Series win against St. Louis Cardinals and then taking game one in Atlanta. I'm very impressed with how they're pitching and how they're playing. Look, I know Suarez is not what you want with five walks, but they still got the job done. The bullpen has been pitching really well. They're proving me wrong. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, it's clearly Ranger Suarez was not the choice you'd want in that game one, but they survived it. um, And it gave them the insurance really to start Wheeler on regular rest and not have to panic. But I guess they were kind of the bed was made at that point. So they were sleeping in it, but, uh, and maybe that's a tell and and maybe Bieber wasn't a realistic selection for game one for the guardians. I still think he should have been the the choice, but anyway, uh, it worked out for the Phillies. Um, it allowed them to survive Wheeler being great and dominant, but having one bad inning and that not being enough, uh, of a performance because the Phillies offense was quiet and held quiet for one of the first times in this, in this playoffs, uh, I guess, besides that game one in, in St. Louis, uh, I've been impressed by the Phillies. I did pick them to, to win the division series. Um, and I felt like that was um, a big step in the right direction. Obviously the season would be over if it wasn't, but part of me then thinks that maybe St. Louis was a pretty weak uh, three seed considering they played in such an awful division in the NL central. Um, I, I mean, the, the Braves controlled the Phillies even like probably a month ago or so sweeping them at home. So I wasn't giving the Phillies a lot of chance here. I know that you picked the, the Braves as your, as your best bet on our last episode where we went strictly series picks because uh, we had no lines at that point. But I, I think from where I sit, um, it's still a dogfight. I, I think there's weird things that happen in division series, even when one team is a lot better than the other. Um, I'm a little concerned about the – I feel like all these teams that had the, the – like the rest versus rust argument, I feel like you always want the rest. But it looks like all these teams have been pretty rusty – the Astros bullpen hasn't been really sharp. Um, the Yankees have only played one so far, so we'll see about them. I think the jury's still out. But I feel like the Braves haven't looked as dominant as I, I would have expected them, especially catching the Phillies off such a uh, quick turnaround. But, I mean, that's a great thing for the Phillies because 
um, they're they're in it and uh, they've got a shot here, stole home field advantage essentially, uh, and that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. But let's get right into game two here, Griff. The Braves, after getting embarrassed at home in game one, they came out in game two with a 3 nothing victory. It was an old-fashioned pitcher's duel. Zach Wheeler went six innings, three earned runs, struck out five. And your boy, Kyle Wright, six innings, just allowed two hits, no earned, six strikeouts. The Braves' bullpen shut the door with the guy – who we all get worried about closing games nowadays. Kenley Jansen closes it out. And we've saw basically the best defensive catch maybe of all, all year long in Dansby Swanson. And Travis Darnell continues to swing a hot bat in this series. This was a must win at home. And now they go to Philly where we don't have a starter for game three for the Braves, but we have Aaron Nola for game three. This is a huge momentum swing. I still have the Braves winning this series, but what are your thoughts on game two and has the momentum changed at all in your opinion? I mean, it was, as you said, it was a must win for the Braves. I think going to Philly down to two, nothing would have been a really, really tough way to get out of. Um, uh, But they're alive here and that's a big deal. Um, I think they can go into Philly. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by that environment. Philly crowd should be probably pretty lit, but it's been a while since the Phillies were in the playoffs. Um, I think, and, and now that I think about it in that uh, Cardinals series, I mean, Philly scored nothing going into the ninth inning and then uh, Ryan Helsley got injured or kind of blew up and, or maybe yeah. both. Um, and that score, saw them score six runs. And I think game two, they only scored two. Um, so the Phillies lineup, Maybe he hasn't looked as good besides that one performance against Max Freed, three pretty poor performances um, with two runs or less in, in all of them. And then uh, I guess, I don't know. I, I feel like when I look at the Braves, they're so dominant and had been for so long. I mean, catching the Mets and essentially, I, I think the Braves comeback is why the Mets are no longer playing in the playoffs. They just couldn't really handle it as a team had that big lead and, and collapsing though. Credit yeah. the Padres for that. And we'll get to them in a second. Um, I, I mean, I think it's still, it's, any any team series right now, um, which I wouldn't have really said going into it. I thought the Braves were going to be pretty comfortable, um, but playoffs always deliver. No one's ever comfortable in the playoffs, which is great, um, and I'm looking forward to it. But I think if you uh, ask me right now, I still think the Braves probably win this series, but there's a good chance that it doesn't get back to Atlanta because uh, Nola's about the best guy you could have in a game three uh, at this point. I'm, I'm thinking Charlie Morton for the Braves in game three, but – there's uh, Spencer Strider rumors in the in the wings. I'm not sure if he's going to end up really what kind of role he's going to play in this series. Could be one of those decoys. They're like, oh, maybe maybe Strider's going to pitch today, and everyone gets like, oh, worried about him in the bullpen, and then he just never shows because he's really not healthy. It's going to be a mystery. I I'd say that'd be a pretty wise choice for the Braves to have Morton start in Game Three, clutch pitcher like him. Has had a ton of experience with on winning teams and know how to pitch in the postseason. That might be the the best move. Uh, I wouldn't be mad about seeing Spencer Strider on the road though, pitching in Philly against Philly's best pitcher. But let's get into from one one series lead one one series to another one one series, and that is the Padres versus the Dodgers. Game one, the Dodgers took a W, winning 5-3. to three. Trey Turner with a first-inning bomb took the lead, and the Dodgers never looked back. Clevenger, we, Griff, you and I, we basically said that Clevenger's going to have a tough time, and it was obvious. Two and two-thirds, five runs, four earned, and two walks. Padres could not get it together in game one. In game two, Padres wanted to win 5-3. to three. That, that was a pretty surprising win in, in my eyes. I know Darvish was on the mound. He pitched really well, struck out seven in five innings of work with Kershaw on the mound, but they still got it done. And Machado and Cronenworth both went yard and helped secure a game and tying the series back up at one. Are you surprised with how the Padres have played so far in this series? We've seen two interesting games. And in my eyes, I'm very surprised that the Padres are even tied up as of right now. I know Darvish pitched in game two, but uh, I can't I can't see I, I didn't see this coming, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think we either gave the pot either of us gave the Potters much of a chance. I mean, at one one, they're they're in this ball game and they they got a chance. Um, Damn I right think, they do. I think going home, crowd's going to be nuts, and and that's going to be very important. I still think the Dodgers are a way better team, and I'm not really a believer in the Padres' offense. I feel like Josh Bell. When basically winning the the Scherzer game, I mean, still very impressed by them even knocking out the Mets on the opposite coast against those two big name pitchers. But um, this is a whole different ball game. I mean, the crowd's gonna be lit, but there's gonna be a ton of Dodger fans in, in Petco. I've been there for a series and, and saw what that'll look like. I think in the playoffs, it'll only be stronger. Um, but credit the the Padres for winning games. I mean, when you have a good bullpen, you can hang around with a lot of teams. Um, I don't know if they're really doing it with more than like gum and, and spit at this point, but it's uh, the glue is somehow holding. Um, and ultimately Josh Hader, I mean, he's still a little bit concerning to me, but um, from, from where I sit, man, I mean, it, I love that these series are still going on and what it does is going to make the Dodgers work extra hard, which I think makes a big, big difference for the Phillies or the Braves, whoever gets out of the other series. Right. Um but I mean, the Dodgers got to be disappointed with uh, not k- taking a two nothing lead. Um, they're still the best team in baseball, and even if they drop one of these in San Diego, I still pick them to win, or I still would pick them to win. But I mean, San Diego's got a shot, and that's uh, I think more than we would expect it. I think we would both expected the Dodgers to take a two nothing lead to San Diego, and then put all the pressure on San Diego and see if they crack. Yeah, I was definitely expecting a two nothing lead going into San Diego. And I think a lot of people would agree with this, but it's gonna be interesting. And I, I, without further ado, Griff, would you read your your quick promo here, and then we'll get into Fry's card and depict three great series for Game Threes, and then of course one is Game Two. Sure. Uh, use the promo code Playoffs twenty get you twenty percent off for listeners of these Major League Baseball or RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB Edition Playoff Edition. Uh, podcast we would love you to use those promo codes get 20 percent off save you some money but also we get a little bit of credit i don't think we see any money from it but uh, it at least makes our boss think we're relevant so uh anytime that we can be relevant please throw it in there uh good for seven days from the podcast release so use the code playoffs 20 playoff with an s so playoffs plural 20 and you get 20 percent off uh, my picks come out each night I've been pretty hot in these playoffs. I'm trying to keep that going as much as I can, throwing soccer in there as part of my MLB packages. So uh, if you want to dabble in European soccer and you like getting up at uh, all hours of the night, um, wee hours, especially if you're in the West Coast, uh, even early for Taylor over there, got some like 7 a.m. starts that I don't think he's uh, he's awake for. But um, no. appreciate everyone coming through and, and use the code playoffs 20 get 20 percent off anything you want to purchase at uh pregame.com so uh we're gonna go now through friday's card and, and i think we'll give a little saturday bonus as well because we do have a line available uh for the i guess game three of, of seattle hosting the astros uh, and of course this is what you all came for we'll give best bets uh right at the end um but i guess we got to start with the early game that was uh postponed from uh, from today uh, and it's in the Bronx it's uh, my co-host it's his uh, it's his pride and joy it's what he uh, stays up and, and works all hours a night uh, cutting videos for I haven't seen a Matt Carpenter clip just yet but uh, this the night is young so he hasn't done anything yet the playoffs are young I mean I wasn't sure if he needed to do anything I thought the clip was already made but um, <laughs> it's it's just a I guess it's a it's the same type of line that we saw until this game got postponed today Shane Bieber and the Cleveland Guardians visiting Nestor, nasty Nestor Cortez and the New York Yankees. Currently, Cortez, Nestor Cortez, a minus 133 home favorite. Over-under is six. Um, all the juice is on over. So uh, if you like if you like under, you get some plus money. If you like the pitching matchup there, um, I'll, I'll turn it over to the uh, the guy in pinstripes. I guess not on this podcast, but uh, they're probably somewhere on the wall in the background. Uh, what, what are we thinking from Nestor? Because I, I got to say, I prefer um, Shane Bieber as a starting pitcher. I like Nestor in, in in this matchup here and in the year off with a 2-4-4 ERA. One of the best pitching seasons we've seen from a Yankee in quite some time. Nestor is a way different of a pitcher than Garrett Cole was. Garrett Cole is a hard-throwing, right-handed pitcher, 
touching 98 to 99 with wicked off speed stuff. Nestor is going to keep this Guardians team off balance. He's going to be throwing and moving his body, contorting in different ways. He's throwing a lot of off speed. His fastball hasn't hit a ton of velocity, but he's going to keep the team off balance. And the Guardians just can't hit. Like we mentioned before, 18 runners left on base in game one, and they only scored one run. Now for Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber pitched great in game one of the wild card series, which helped them secure a victory overall and grab and get into this series. Biebs has had a great year, finished 288 ERA, 198 strikeouts, 200 innings, the definition of a workhorse and exactly what you need from a starter to go into a game two already down one game. I don't think you get it done. And it's not because of the pitching. It's a be good pitcher's duel. It's going to be because of the Guardians' offense not getting it done. If Nestor can go six or seven innings in game two, it's going to be tough for the Guardians going forward. I'm taking the Yankees at minus 133 here. So looking at Nestor's numbers, um, he did have an IL stint, but I feel like that was, I guess, late August maybe. Um Yeah. Since then, uh, September 8th and on, most runs he gave up in a start was two. Uh, that was to the Twins in a four-inning start, his first uh, appearance back. And since then, one run, one run, zero, and zero. Um, pretty good because twice he's facing the Red Sox, and you know that there's a, a hitter's park in both of those places. Um I mean, those are those numbers look great. Uh, and I would imagine that he's probably not going to have a ton of stress against Cleveland. Um, yeah. I mean, they're going to do their their best to try to be as difficult as possible. He had a start against them earlier in the year at Cleveland where he threw six innings, only gave up one run. So I feel like there's probably not a lot of and actually a, a previous start on April 23rd at home against Cleveland, six and the third gave up two runs. So feel like there's not going to be a lot of a lot of runs coming from the guardians in this one which i don't think we would have expected either way uh assuming that the, the playoffs don't get to them so there's a lot of responsibility on shane bieber's side i lean that direction and i think even before this series started i pointed if if bieber does not go game one then game two is going to be uh the spot that i look to play the guardians based right. on shane bieber's ability his i mean I don't know who he deserves to be an underdog in this. I mean, his team's not great, so it makes sense. But I think I would trust him against any starting pitcher and certainly with a plus sign next to his name. Anytime that that he's yeah. if he wins 50 percent of the time, you, you make money. I mean, that interests me. I think um, that's a but, great number, though, for for him as a road dog. At plus one twenty three. I, I want to I would love to know how many people like how many people of us like our our listeners would take that. Look, if I like as Griff, I know I'm a Yankee fan, and some might say I'm a diehard fan, but I am also a realist. I've picked games against the Yankees before, and I've talked about how negative they've been. But just if I wasn't a Yankee fan, and if I if I I don't want to say it, I may I might want to take plus one twenty three here, but I'm I'm very. Very, very confident how Cortez could pitch against this team. If the Guardians had a better lineup, then there might be some different conversations here. But yeah, but, but if, they, if they did have a better lineup, then that, that line would probably be shorter than it sure, currently. Of course, but I'm just saying overall, like picking who Yankees or Guardians. If the Guardians had if the Guardians had the Padres lineup, then I, I would say that I the Guardians might be the better option. Whoa. Okay. So you'd prefer the the Padres lineup. I mean, well, I'm talking about like lineups that are aren't great, but they're good. You know, and the Padres I mean, the are name, way better offensively. The name value of Manny Machado and uh, Juan Soto certainly is better, but um, unfortunately, uh, I don't know that Juan Soto is really the, the Juan Soto we're used to. So Shane Bieber has not pitched against the Yankees this year. I think that's a benefit to him. He also um, struggled before in the postseason, Griff, against this team. I think it was in 2020 that Shane Bieber got shelled in in Cleveland with nobody in the stands. Okay. I want to say, yes, it was 2020. He went four and two-thirds, left seven earned runs, seven strikeouts against this Yankee team in the wild card series. And that was Bieber. I think that was Cy Young Bieber. I want to make sure I'm correct. You know, I was Cy Young I mean, Bieber. 
So with seven Ks, I mean, that sounds like he was missing bats, but clearly not missing enough of them. I, I see a start at home against the Yankees, seven innings, two earned runs, two runs total allowed nine Ks on April 24th of 2021. So certainly not the playoffs that you're talking about there, but um, I mean, I think we can expect a good outing from, from Beaver. The problem in the Bronx is the, the Cleveland offense is built for manufacturing runs, whether they left 18 runs runners on base. I mean, that's not a good sign. It kind of speaks to their problems. I do think that Garrett Cole had a big, played a big, big role in that. Um, but the Yankees are clearly built for their park to hit home runs that are wall scrapers or not even in most other parks. And we have to treat them as a team that's going to score runs. Maybe that they don't necessarily deserve because ultimately any runners in run in scoring position, if you're on first base or even at home plate for the Yankees and their lineup. And I don't think I feel the same way about the guardians there. Um, never would have expected Bieber to be favored in the situation, even against Nestor Cortez, but those Cortez numbers look a lot better. Yeah. Um, makes me almost feel like that under six is worth a look at, at plus money just as maybe just as worth it as, as a Bieber money line uh, lean that I had um, before really diving into this one. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be interesting. You want to get into our, our next start here? Yeah. So next uh, we'll go to the NL and it, I, I'm going to say Charlie Morton is, is pitching for this one. Um, it seems like it's all over the place, but lines are pretty consistent right now. Aaron Nola going for Philly in Philadelphia uh, number that I'm going to use here is minus 115 on Aaron Nola. Uh, so slight home favorite over under is seven or seven and a half. If you uh, want to pay some juice to, to play under, that's probably the way to go. Um, Nola's been really good. I got to say um, he's someone that I, I trust. Uh, I'm not sure who doesn't at this point, but he, he's had a good year um, in a, on a team that's had really a, an up and down season. I got to say, considering how the Phillies fired Joe Girardi, halfway through the season and then went on a big run to make the playoffs, whether that was really deserved because they played a really bad division. I mean, the bottom of this league was so bad in the NL East, like probably worse than the, than the central um, and, and looking at Nola this year and trying to find starts against Atlanta. He uh, had a pretty big win, um, but gave up four runs in seven innings uh, and then also gave up five runs in six, the same Atlanta club. Then again, seven run, seven innings, four runs, and then finally his last start of the year, he went six innings and, and blanked the the Atlanta Braves here, but ultimately walked three. <clears throat> That's not a really good lineup, I got to say. Um, would have expected better from Nola. I think we can trust him to have a good start, um, but I'm a little bit worried he won't have a great start. So it really depends what we think Charlie Morton's going to do or whoever starts for the Braves um, on. Uh, I guess tomorrow that's that's Friday. You know, you, you mentioned Joe Girardi for a second. I just want to see something. I was watching an interview with him. I think it was yesterday. It was on a, um, a, a Barstool podcast and he was on there and he mentioned like, you know, it's part of the game. I get fired, whatever. Looking at what he had to manage, like what teams he had to face in the month of May, he faced the Mets the Mariners, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Braves, and the Mets to finish it off in an entire month. He gets fired subsequently right in the beginning of June. Because I mean, to- I don't I don't think it was his fault, man. I, I think he had no bullpen. Was he was doing his best. And I mean, when you only have gas cans in the bullpen to choose from, it's hard not to pick Literally. the one that's going to explode. Um, the David Robertson pickup was huge. And now – He's probably not pitching until the ALCS or excuse me, NLCS, it looks like. So um, <clears throat> that severely impairs Philadelphia um, and seeing Nola without great numbers. Um, I, I guess we're just throwing lines out there with no confirmed starter for Atlanta at this point because the game's tomorrow afternoon. Uh, it makes me honestly think I actually like Atlanta more because um, I, I don't love Kenley Jansen, as everyone knows who's been listening to this <laughs> podcast. But yeah. there's a lot more depth in that Atlanta bullpen. I think their lineup – I mean, it seems deeper to me even coming into this series, and Philly's been struggling. Uh, I'm, I feel like I'm gravitating more we talk about it to an Atlanta lean. I'm taking Atlanta all the way here. Whenever I can get Atlanta as a road dog, I'm going to take them. Aaron Nola also at home this year, 6-4, and 3-5-3 ERA, 97 innings. He's had one complete game, and that was a complete game. Shut piece, 12 Do you say 6 ERA? Three five three ERA. Three five three. Okay. okay. Yeah. I want to make sure I he left twelve long balls this season at home. 
he's had enough experience at home this season, but does that six and four record in a ERA north to, close to three around three and a half? Is there any confidence in there to lay on Aaron Nola and the Phillies at home? Personally, me, if I can have the Atlanta Braves as a road dog in the beginning of April or in October, I'm going to most likely take them. It really doesn't matter who they face. Maybe if it's like the Dodgers, then maybe I might consider maybe going leading Dodgers maybe. But uh, Atlanta Braves here on the road, they just gained a, a W at home with their great pitching matchup, pitching uh, outing by Kyle Wright. Interesting to see who they pick for game three. Looks like maybe Morton might be the guy. Maybe Strider comes out of nowhere and gets a start here. But um, I'm leading Braves all the way. Yeah, I guess there's another question, and that's going to be whether Acuna is playing because he took a pretty nasty yeah, hit by pitch. That. Yeah. Um, and was running around the bases, I got to say, with his arm almost like it was in an imaginary sling. Um, but that was the uh, the go ahead run, if I remember correctly. So um, that's an important bat. I mean, Acuna hasn't had a great year. I'll put it that way. And honestly, if he misses the game, I'm not sure he will. But if he did, then that might even jump our price a little bit more and make me like Atlanta more because um, I wouldn't downgrade the Atlanta offense too much without him because he just I mean, he's a big name, but he just hasn't really produced so far this year. Next, we'll go to the Dodgers. Did you, did you just I want to say one thing. Did you say about. Uh, Nola's experience this year against the Braves. Did you mention those numbers? I just want to throw those numbers out if you have. Did you? I, I did. I did. Yeah. I read. I read his starts. But if you have a a better like, I was just reading him start by start. So it was. Have, I'll read it off because I, yeah. I, it's just something for people to listen to these kind of stats to help them decide if they want to pick the Braves or not. Nola this year against the Braves three and two, three six seventy array and thirty four innings pitch. It's a lot of innings against a division rival going into the postseason. 14 earned runs, five long balls, and seven walks, 40, 41 strikeouts, 34 innings, not bad. Um, all right, sorry, I just want to read that off. But going to our last uh, – well, not our, not our last, because we still have a Saturday matchup to talk about. For we do, we time. do, which is nice. Um, we'll go Tony Gonsolin and the Dodgers visiting San Diego and Blake Snell. Um, a good luck predicting this starting pitching matchup type of situation here. Gonsolin is <laughs> a minus, one, minus 118 road favorite, over under seven and a half. Um, it's going to be a tough park to score runs in crowds going to be nuts lit, whatever adjective I haven't used so far. I'll use the other one. Um, but Tony Gonsolin, unfortunately we had a great start to the year was awesome. Uh, I think appeared in the all-star game and then got shut down due to some injury problems that we all thought was just maintenance. And cause he's young and hadn't thrown a lot of innings, but then it seemed like it was a much more serious injury. He missed uh, a fair amount of time. looks like a lot of September came back through two innings against the, the Rockies uh, in like a tune-up start-ish to just get him some some appearances or some time in, in a real game action. I'm not sure the simulated games afterwards have really done a lot, um, but it wasn't great in that performance. Not a lot to probably take from that one, but um, he's going to be on where the, the lights will be bright, and that's a pretty tough situation to go into um, as a road favorite against maybe a softer lineup than, of course, the one that, that he's playing for, but um, and then we go to the other side and Blake Snell, who can outpitch anybody. And his ceiling is so high, but um, got hit really hard by the Mets or really just walked everybody. And um, you can't do it against the Dodgers. I feel like it's I mean, I, I don't blame anyone who wants to go against Tony Goslin here. I definitely lean Blake Snell and that plus money at home. But uh, there's a lot of concern for me about what we can expect from Blake Snell. And I feel like the number's not big enough um, when they need to win probably 47% of the time to cover this spread. I, I just, or to, to make it a, a positive expected value play. I just, I don't know that I can, uh, I don't know that I believe that um, when I look at Blake Snell, though, if he's hitting 99, he might be having a good night. Griff, we know this is be the battle of the five inning pitcher. This is what it's going to be like. Gonsolin and Snell, they don't exceed six or seven innings. They just stay at top five. We'll be surprised that they finish six here. Um, as you were talking, we even talked before since before we started about maybe leaning what way. As you were talking, and I'm looking up stats about Gonsolin, it's tough. I don't I don't know who I'm confident in, but looking at Gonsolin's numbers in August, he went four and zero with a zero seven six ERA in twenty three innings, and then he didn't pitch. He had one game pitched between September and then also into October, only two innings. That is very, very big. 
a guy like this who's had a great year all year, only two innings in September, that's something to note to note if you're gonna maybe ride with the Dodgers. And also for Blake Schnell, he had a good stretch throughout the, the second half of the year where he was looking like kind of like the old Blake Schnell that we that we used to know, like 2018 Schnell. Striking a lot of guys, high velocity, but yet again, not going the distance. A few times going seven innings. It feels like it's a totally different pitcher. But I might I'm very, I'm very concerned about taking Tony Gonsolin in this start. The fact that he hasn't pitched really at all since August. Yeah, I think if you're betting or looking at the Dodgers, I'd save your money here. Maybe even invest in them to win the series or something like that, or even yeah. wait if they somehow drop this one. Uh, but Blake Snell in 14 innings against the Dodgers this year has 10 walks. Oof. Um, <laughs> some good, some good K numbers, but and had one good shutout start. Of course, three walks in five innings, but then four innings pitch, five runs allowed, three walks there, and then uh, a five inning start, one run allowed, but four walks in five innings. I mean, if he's he's walking way too many guys. I don't really see that changing um, against the Dodgers offense that clearly is working the counts and uh, has seen a lot of him, especially since he's arrived in San Diego a couple seasons ago. I mean, I guess for me, it's San Diego or nothing. I guess I lean a little bit toward the over as well. Um, yeah, you're not going to see I'm me back. God, I, dude, I, I'm scared to take any of these money lines right now. I know, I know taking home dogs is kind of a fun thing and Blake Snell has pitched well. But also it's Blake Snell who walks about a million people. You freaking how many walks? Ten walks in fourteen innings against the Dodgers. Yeah, so uh, that's not Horrible. great. Uh, I think as they would say, um, you know, I don't know if that's like what he's trying to do. If he just tries to walk people, but like six and a half walks per nine innings just doesn't really seem like a awful. Doesn't oh sound ideal or uh, like the way to to win baseball games, especially in the playoffs against the best team in the league. Um, so last but not least, we'll give Saturday. Um, we do have a line in this one just came out Houston visiting Seattle, which should be, um, a really fun time. Lots of, uh, chocolate covered crickets or whatever they sell there as their, uh, specialty. I'm not sure if I'd want to eat one, but, uh, I do know there's probably a lot of protein in that snack. Um, there is. with that said, George Kirby is a, uh, actually it's a, yeah, George Kirby, a minus 107 home favor right now. Um, wow. I think that speaks to Seattle potentially, um, how well they've played in these first two games, but they've got about as much to show for it as uh, Taylor and I. So uh, that's not great. And their season is hanging in the balance. Um, Lance McCullers coming in for Houston. Hard to really project what he's going to do because he's been injured all year. Um, I feel like his whole career he's been injured. When he's in there, he's great. But I uh, can't expect more than maybe a few innings out of him. Probably Christian Javier coming in, I'll, I'll guess, um, uh, out of the bullpen. But, um, yeah, man, I I don't know. I think from where I sit in this one, I, I do lean to Seattle uh, based on that great bullpen. But part of me wonders, like, if they're just shot emotionally because they've been in position to win two games um, and they've won none of them. And their season's on the line and uh it might just be that they kind of ran out of gas and couldn't get those outs when they needed them this seattle team is running out of gas you're right i think this series is all wrapped up the astros coming out with the walk-off home run in game one emotionally draining loss for the mariners rocking verlander in game one and then end up losing like that that's a big bummer and then in game two opportunities multiple opportunities with runners in score position to get them out a lot of large, you know hard hit line drives for outs including the ninth inning when there was a line out double play you can't make that shit up kirby getting the start in game three a lot of talent there not a lot of experience going in the mound in a do or die game with lance mccullers who's had bullpen rotation postseason experience and enough to make me want to lean on the side of the Houston Astros to sweep at home. Of course, I don't want that to happen. I want the Mariners to win at home in the first postseason game in over 20 years at home. I just don't think it's going to happen. And to look into Lance McCullers a little bit more, we were always talking about this season when he came back on August 13th, innings limit, how many innings need to go in each start. I think that innings limit's done, man. You know, he's gone seven innings twice this year. Multiple times he's gone – actually, three times he's gone six innings 
He's gone into the sixth inning four times. So I I I think he's going to go as far as he can go. I don't think Dusty Baker and that and that pitching staff and that in the coaching staff is going to limit to him at all. A good start out of McCullers would really help that rotation. Maybe Javier comes in later in the game. If not, McCullers goes three or four innings. Then I think maybe a Christian Javier appearance could happen. I agree with you, Griff. I'm going to be taking the Houston Astros here. It's a bummer, but to be realistic here, I, I think it's a locked and loaded seal of deal. Lock it in. Well, um, yeah, when I pulled up McCullers and what he's done so far, since coming off the aisle really in mid-August, um, maybe missed one start end of September. Um, but ultimately, I mean, looking at no no start, has he given up more than three runs? Um, and he's facing Seattle, which should be in, in Seattle, one of the best uh, parks really to, uh, to keep some or put some zeros on the board. Um, it's going to be really scary back in Houston. I got to say in the first playoff game in Seattle, I'm not sure how often home field advantage matters in baseball. It certainly does in the rules of the game because you bat last and get to match whatever the other team put out there. But, um, man, that's going to be a scary thing to fade, uh, Seattle in that situation. But I got to say George Kirby, a career starter coming out of the bullpen in that game against the blue Jays not really sure how that impacts him but i don't think that's really a good thing um you you as a the more experienced baseball player could probably speak to that a little bit i don't think you pitched but um, i did not but i i just yeah. I feel like going back and forth has got to be weird mccullers clearly has not been doing that um and i mean in, in looking at some of it kind of feels like from looking at the game log of of uh george kirby that he kind of was tiring down the stretch just some bad outings against bad teams like oakland detroit uh, I think for me, it's it's Lance of Colors or uh, likely a skip, potentially. I, th- I think playing in Seattle at T-Mobile Park, the atmosphere is going to be roaring. It's going to be very hard to pitch in there. We saw it last year in September when the Mariners were trying to make a run into the postseason, how wild that crowd was. That's going to be a factor. I'm very interested to see all hands on deck kind of thing. You know, it is Scott service could be pulling some other trickery out of there. Like we saw Robbie Ray in game one. Are we going to see somebody come out of the, the bullpen that really doesn't come out of the bullpen? I, I'm not saying that we're going to be seeing Logan Gilbert. I'm just talking about, or Castillo. Are we going to see Robbie Ray? Is Robbie Ray going to come out again? Is, is Robbie Ray going to be even a starter in this series? Like, I, I don't know. These are a lot of question marks that we don't know because if game four happens, then a lot of those questions will be answered. But I, I just don't think with Kirby's experience here being mostly a bullpen guy coming in and then also converting over to a starter as well and mixing both in his rookie year. I just don't think it, man, you know, and McCullers throws that breaking ball almost 80% of the time. It's tough to hit that. I'm riding with the Astros as much as I don't like to say I'm going to ride with the Astros. All right, now it's best bets time. Um, I thought I had one I felt really good about coming into this show. Wow, you're changing the you're changing it up here, Griff. Uh, I, I mean, know. do you, you feel good about one right now that you want to give? Are you ready to give yours? Because uh, absolutely not. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take it and ride with it and sweat it out like everybody else is going to. But I'm gonna I mean, I'm gonna take it. I mean, that's how it feels like. I think I know where you're going. I'll I'll give you the tea box. I'll let you lead us okay. off. Go ahead. Tell tell us what you want to pick. All right. We we mentioned both these starters as the five inning starters, Gonsolin and Snell. We mentioned how Snell has not pitched great against the Dodgers this year. Ten walks through fourteen innings, that ain't good. Gonsolin hasn't pitched more than he's pitched two innings since August. And yeah, Gonsolin's had a great year, sixteen and one record. I'm not even going to touch the money lines here. I'm taking the run line here. At over seven and a half runs, one of these guys are going to get rocked on game in game three. One of these guys are going to get really roughed up. I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. I'm taking over. I think the Dodgers are going to come out with a W in at Safeco. It's not easy playing Safeco. This is a rivalry game, high offense in game three. I'm taking that. All right. So playing a total, going over. Uh, I'm going to go. 
switching up a little bit from what I initially caught thought. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm staying in the same place though. So I was going to go initially cause I've been circling this since before the series started. Um, and I was going to play Cleveland, but I'm really worried about Nestor Cortez really shutting down Cleveland. Um, so I'm going to go under six, even money right now. It looks like, uh, if you can get a six and a half at a decent price, uh, I would say suggest that, but I mean, I guess there's probably there's eh, there's more six and a half than there are sixes. So I'll go under six and a half. That'll be my lock it in uh, best bet for this episode. I think Nestor Cortez clearly has been hot. Uh, I don't think Cleveland's going to give him a lot of trouble. And uh, I think it's almost too small of a margin for Shane Bieber in Cleveland. I mean, I still think that they, they have a shot and seeing him with a plus money number next to his name certainly helps. Um, I'm going to go under six and a half in the Bronx. I mean, it's tough in that park, but. Uh, hopefully a lot of a lot of balls stay in the yard uh, tomorrow in the early game. So make sure you get on this early. Hope you're all listening early because uh, this one starts at 12.07 Central, 107 Eastern time. So uh, uh, get on it really quick. All right, Griff, tell us where we can find you and then we will go home. Let's go home. Uh, you find me on Twitter, the real underscore G Warner. Um, and also look out as I have a bunch of other podcasts like the soccer one of the Kenzie Rivers, who you can beat in that NBA contest um, coming out. Uh, going to record that right after this one. So uh, it's just going to be a night of podcasts for me. Cool guy over here. A night full of podcasts. Who doesn't like that? So you guys can follow me at Taylor Ringle on Twitter. And you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, my website, taylorringle.com. And wherever you could find me, I'll be there. Another great episode is in the books. As you just heard, Griff is taking the under six and a half runs in the Guardians-Yankees game two. And I'm going to be taking Dodgers versus Padres over seven and a half runs in game three. I'm hoping both of these guys get absolutely demolished. And we have a high-scoring game in San Diego. Another great episode is in the books. We appreciate you guys listening in as always. We guys will see you. And hopefully you guys have some good bets going on this weekend. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs>